may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty But they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny And not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny Welcome to another episode of The View from the Ninian. We've been away for a couple of games where we've scored a couple of headers and Aidan Flint has managed to insert himself at the top of the scorers list in the championship. We've released Marley Watkins because he scores with his feet and we don't want that this season. Moving across to Ben Price. Ben, been a while. How are you? I'm very well, mate. How are you? Yeah, all good. Thank you, mate. And Tom Phillips is here as well in a, in a lovely pink football shirt. Give us a review of that away kit, Tom. It's very nice. Uh, got very carried away after seeing the Cardiff team in it at Peterborough. Bought it on the train on the way home and just wearing it around the house every day now. Lovely stuff. Now, we Hang on, talk so about you that. bought it after the Peterborough game and I'm assuming there's no name on the back that is Aidan Flint? No, I, I'm just going to draw it on with Sharpie, I think, just okay. to save well, a bit of the cash. That's because you had to buy it from JD Sports, right? Because they don't have any stock currently, I think, in, in, in the Cardiff City Club store. Yeah, and you know it'll arrive within a day with JD Sports as well, not in three weeks. So... Not to badmouth the club, but yeah, a little bit more reliable. A little bit more reliable than the club. Right, let's talk about that Peter game. Um, it happened last week, was it? A week ago? Um, Tom, uh, you were there. It was the best of times and the worst of times, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the worst of times first. Um, the first the, of times. Yeah. and the fans Worst were, of times. The, the fans were really giving Mick some choice words. It was really interesting to be back in an atmosphere that was so toxic. Again, mm-hmm. I forgot how fickle our fans could be. And honestly, like the difference in emotions from half time, oh, just that, sorry, like 20 minutes after half time and the end of the game was unbelievable. And it was just so funny. Like when obviously both teams get a point from that game, but you'd swear like we'd won the league and you'd swear Peterborough had been demoted straight to the National League the way it turned out. But it, it was quite a funny way to end the game. What choice words were they giving, Big Mick? Oh, a lot of swear words that I hadn't heard for a long while, actually. Um, which I, I won't. No, no, top no, three, no. top three. No, 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 I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'm not stupid to their level. But um, then McCarthy not doing the Ayatollah as well, wanted them up even more, and it was just brilliant. <laughs> it was just brilliant to see our fans snap, and then suddenly, as if nothing was ever wrong, then as soon as the second goal <laughs> went in, you know, Mick McCarthy's, uh, you know. Our old Lord and Saviour. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's brilliant to see. Um, but, you know, Ben, it's, it's not often we, we score a 96th minute equaliser. Um, and I think, you know, there, there's been a lot of talk made of Aidan Flint. Uh, he got two goals in that Peterborough game, two two excellent headers. But I'm laying the, the kind of praise at Dylan Phillips's is door for that, that second goal. Um, what was he doing? Causing havoc? Just, just caused mayhem, didn't he? <laughs> everyone's like it's like the Peterborough players just saw right the goalkeeper's gone up and they just lost their heads yeah and just it, they turned into nine-year-olds chasing the ball and it just went mayhem created that little bit of space his hold-up play was fantastic sort of before um Pat got that cross in it was mad and yeah it was just carnage how cool was Marlon Pack to kind of take the touch, take it past the defender and then cross it with his left foot, Ben? I mean, he's not known for being particularly two-footed, but that was a wonderful cross. With very little uplift as well. There was no space. Yeah. It just came out of nowhere, whipped this unreal ball in for Aidan Flint to sort of slam past the keeper. It was unreal. Awesome. Marlon, Marlon Pack assisting Aidan Flint. They don't seem to assist each other on Instagram anymore with the likes, but um, Tom, it's the, the old Bristol combination working wonders for us, isn't it? That's about time, isn't it? 
Um, but what was the defending for that though? Like it was so easy. It was for pathetic, Pat. wasn't it? Yeah, he just jumps in the air, like just as if he didn't want to tackle him, and suddenly Pack had all the space in the world. But no, it was a lovely dinked cross. And you know, Pack is really ticking over nicely at the beginning of this season. Like mm-hmm. as much as you know, the two goals were poor that we conceded against Peterborough. What was nice to see was the intent and the intensity that we had through the first half. There wasn't much in terms of quality, but there was a real kind of organised kind of push. We were doing a full court press that we saw towards the end of last season as well, yeah. but it worked. It was against Derby, I think, when we thumped them, um, yeah. where we were really pushing high up the pitch, but they unlocked us a couple of times and they broke through and scored. But it was good to see the kind of intensity and the fans did enjoy that for 35, 40 minutes. But, you know, I think the signs are there that, you know, Mick's really getting his way across now and certain players like Pack are really benefiting from it. And then there was there was a classic kind of me- melee in the first half, which I think we've been charged over now. Uh, with yeah. I think Marlon Pack Marlon Pack was was tackled. Aidan Flint ran a good forty yards just to confront someone. I think Joe Rowles got his knee into someone's back while he was on the floor and leaned over him and gave him a shout. It's just lovely to see, isn't it? It was every team togetherness and just up yeah. for a scrap. And it's, a bit of shithousing. Yeah, I, I I'm still not sure how Pack got booked for that tackle. Um. I wonder if he just got booked because the referee wanted a quiet life. And uh, to be fair, I think that was his probably seventh offence. Packed into like, the foul, though. No, I know, but it was just like the kind of... Being involved would be enough Just that being point. involved. Yeah, honestly, the amount of fouls he gave away. Right I, I saw, yeah, I watched it. It was ridiculous how he wasn't booked before, but... <laughs> it's brilliant. I think he was on about 22 when that came in, but <laughs> the referee got it so wrong. If anything, if the referee gives that the way it should... Like that's borderline red card offence. He's high, he's over the ball. It should have been. And they put a few in like that, Peter. But yeah, for them, the fans then to moan on Twitter about us sort of roughing them up a bit. Some of the tackles they were putting in were really, really nasty. So, I, I mean, them. they're a scum football club, aren't they? <laughs> Based on what? I don't know. Darren <laughs> Ferguson? I don't like the guy. Um, I, I put in that the Peterborough hoodoo continues, Tom, but I think you've put arguably it's over, glass half full. Yeah, uh, I think I, I think just us coming back, I think that puts us to bed now. You know, we had such a bad record there. And honestly, the feeling of leaving that ground with a point, I think what that does to momentum is unbelievable. We don't get that equaliser. We look on our first block of games in a very, very different light. But now mm-hmm. we're still unbeaten. Yes, you, you look at the games in isolation, it's probably a slightly poor result against Barnsley. It's probably a slightly poor result against Peterborough. But now... We have got that momentum. And when you see other teams struggling around the league, you know, it's it's a huge point in the grand scheme of things. And it's just there's just like a buoyant feeling around fans now. Um, that yeah. probably wasn't there before the season started. So I, I think it's the hoodoo over personally. And Ben, you think if we if we if we don't get that 96th minute equalizer against Peterborough, how does how does the Millwall game go? Obviously, we know we won it, but does it it's, it, it paints a different performance, doesn't it? I don't think it does. I think the way Nick's got this team drilled. If they lost, I think the performance is still the same. You'd like to think it would be. Um, there was a sense of inevitability about inevit- it's easy for me to say inevitability about us equalising um, when, when we scored against Peterborough, and I think like that shows the spirit. Even if we it had gone on and sort of lost that game two one, but battled till the end, I think we still would have put in the performance we did against Millwall, especially in the second half. I think. I, sorry, on, I agree with. That. I think when the first goal went in against Peterborough. 
it really did feel like a second was coming. Like there, there's a kind of never say die attitude about that team now that we didn't have under Harris. You know, a game like that when we went two, if we went two 0 down under Harris, would just fizzle out to absolutely nothing. I but think now, I think we'd have lost that foot. The way Peterborough sort of put the pressure on us that ten minutes, I reckon we'd have been three. We might have lost that three or four. Yeah, and I think now there is a feeling around that team that we can come back in those games. And now we have come back in the game already this season. You know, in in future games, if we go two 0 down, so it will happen again. People will believe we'll come back, not just on the pitch, but the fans around it as well, and we'll get behind it. And I think it just changes the whole atmosphere of games going forward. Moving on to Millwall then, Ben. Uh, we beat those daft fighting racists. Um, how was it? Um, first half wasn't, I don't think there was anything to sing about. Um, wasn't a classic. I think it was... No, it was turgid, wasn't it? I think it's what you get. It's something that's going to happen with the way we play. If teams match us in that style, I think at times you're going to have that grim showing. But um, second half was good though, wasn't it? Mm. Who do you, what'd you put that down to? What changed? I think just a firework at their arse at half time. I think um, mixed team talk really did the job. Um, the players just looked a bit more for it, sort of seemed to be more comfortable and knew. I don't, I don't think it was a firework. I think Mick sort of just gave them the belief that, look, these are there for the beat and we're going to be better than them. We can do better than this. Let's go out there and win the game. And that's exactly what they did. We're better than them in all centres of the world, aren't we, Tom? Um, they booed the taking of the knee. We cheered it and applauded it. Um, they all fought amongst themselves. Uh, we didn't fight amongst ourselves. So, uh, you know, what would you say as, as as football clubs go? Are we a much better football club than them? I think we've got to be very careful with our past record <laughs> around fighting amongst ourselves and booing certain things. No, but, it was, it, but it was good to see, um, all jokes aside, like the uh, the, la, like, uh, the vast majority of fans applauding it. it. It is great to see. And then the comments from Mick as well, you know, saying that he fully supports it and the players do. I think that was really good to hear and for yeah. him to come out and say it. You know, it's the complete opposite of what Rawat was saying. He was saying, you know, we need to find another way of uniting people. It's like, no, we don't. This is the point. This is it's highlighting not, it's not why for him yeah. to say. Exactly. You don't get to you don't get to police this. Yeah. yeah. This isn't exactly. your place to police it. No, it, and also it you don't you don't you don't you don't appease racists. The the people who are booing it are the ones who have a problem with it. You don't appease them just to get on with it. You're like you you carry on because that's how that shows that there's an issue, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think like in terms of being better than Millwall as well, I think the most I don't know, like kind of heartening thing about it is the fact that we scored three headers against a team who are meant to be good at dealing with it. You know, mm-hmm. with like Cooper at the back, things like, like players like that, they they meant they are set up to deal with that type of football. And if we can do it against them, we should be able to do it against anyone in this league. And to be fair, we're showing that so far. It looks like it's the only thing we can do. But I'll take it if it carries on like this. But no, it, I think all round it could it could have been very different with the Scott Malone chance. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. if he doesn't rattle the bar and make it two all. But uh, I had an erection when he missed that. <laughs> I hate say, him but, so yeah. much. I and mean, for him to miss that, oh, it was beautiful. What would your erection have been if he had scored? What's the opposite cried. of an erection? I'd have cried. Yeah, it'd have gone inwards. <laughs> That's a horrible thought. Yeah, but it does happen, Tom. Um, and we're talking about those headers. Obviously, eight game, eight goals so far this season. Eight headers, um, which is quite quite astonishing, but also not at all unsurprising for a team that has Sean Morrison, Aidan Flint, Kiefer Moore, Curtis Nelson. Um, I think even Marlon Pack scored a header this year, hasn't he? Um, Ambacuda. So, so that's all of them getting in on the act. Uh, we talk about Aidan Flint, Ben. Um, 
he said what well, he's had his Lazarus moment at Cardiff City. Um, he's an absolute colossus at the moment, isn't he? Like defensively, very good. Um, you can't really get past him in terms of um, balls in the air. He's, he's, his positioning is very good. Is it one of the greatest turnarounds in recent Cardiff City history? Uh, sort of at the, the end of last season, start of last season, sorry, he was out on his arse at Sheffield Wednesday. It looked like he had no hope here, but he's just come come to life again, isn't he, into McCarthy? I can't think of a player that's had that turnaround in such a short space of time and gone on to be such an influential figure. He went from people actively groaning when they saw his name read out on the team sheet to mm-hmm. getting his own song and the way he's going, getting his own statue built. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mental how quickly, how just the change of manager, the change of system has turned a player who looked like he had absolutely no future at the club into someone that is at the moment undroppable. Do you think that's the main thing that's benefited him, Tom, that change of system? Because obviously when he came in and he was partnered with Morrison, it was kind of in a back four. Um, They couldn't cover for each other very well, both quite slow defenders. But now that he plays in that three, he's got a bit more leeway. He can just do the things he's good at. Is that is that the the only thing that's changed it around for him or is there more to it? No, I think that's that's right. I think the system does benefit him massively now. He he can do the things that he's good at without rely it you know he, he can rely on other people to kind of mop up do you know what I mean like he can concentrate on what he's good at and not worry about running back and things like that but this is what the player that Borough signed you know what we signed what Wednesday were hoping for you know he's done this before he scored 15 goals in a season he scored half got a hat trick yeah exactly this with, with the, the third goal being a Rabona volley exactly you know he's got this in his locker he's done it before and finally it's coming it's coming to the fore so you know, don't be shocked if this continues. I, obviously, I picked the wrong defender when I said that Morrison would get double figures this year. I meant Aidan Flint. Obviously. He's off the mark anyway, mate. It's only it's very true. early days. Perhaps they both will. You know, the way we're playing at the moment, we'll have two, we'll two centre-backs and double figures by the end of the season. But, you know, it is a scary prospect. Like, teams will be shitting themselves when we get not even a corner or a free kick, a throw-in. We've got Marlon yeah. Pack's throw-in now as well. Like, if we get into anyone's half, defenders will will be shitting themselves to put it bloody because when you see that amount of height coming into your box and the accuracy like the way they attack the ball as well it's not just as a big lumber standing there for the sake of it they all attack, they attack the it ball like strikers unbelievably so and and it's funny like just seeing the fans react to it like we get a throw in in just inside the opposition half and people are going oh oh we've got a chance here I can't wait for the rest of the season. There's going to be 45 headers. Can't wait. <laughs> I'm looking at I'm looking at the starting lineup from Saturday. And you've got Morrison, Flint, and Nelson at the back. Three absolute big lumps. You have got Marlon Pack. Yeah, he takes the throws, but as we said, he's already scored ahead of the season, so he's obviously got it as well. Cole Will's six foot three, six foot four, mm. and yeah, he might not throw himself around too much at the moment. He's still a big boy, and then you've got Keith Moore as well. And Mark Harris is no slouch. He's probably about five foot ten, five foot eleven, and throws his body weight around. And then if you look on the bench as well, you've got people like Bakuna coming on and scoring headers. James Collins comes off the bench and can score headers. Like at one point, we could just go fuck it, all of them on, all of them on, and just spend oh. the rest of the game just lumping balls into the box. This is what we want as Cardiff fans, isn't it, Ben? Like, we like being the, you know, when, when we went up over Fulham, it was ticky-tacka, ticky-tacka, fuck off Fulham. Like, we like being the shithouses of the league. I think, yeah, I think we're going to be the first team that actively boos a player that scores a league goal with the foot, aren't we? Yeah. Like, ironically, we are going to boo it, which I'm all for. Um, it's just, yeah, it's the most, I think it's the most Cardiff thing going in recent years is our centre-back being the league's top scorer and all of our goals being headers. I think yeah. it's just superb. And then you see the Jacks down the road. And I'm going to bring them up. You know, 
they cream themselves over 72% possession, 6 million passes, and they've scored three, four goals this season. Our, I, uh, just to, as an update on that stack, we, we, are, we are 22nd in the league for accurate passes per game. That's 167.3 accurate passes per game. Uh, Swansea and Fulham are top two. They are about 485 and 444, respectively. Uh, we are average around a 44% possession at the moment. Swansea and Fulham, again, top two, 63 and 62%. Um, and that's about it for those interesting well, stats. Aiden Flick, there's a big Aiden difference Flick between what Fulham every 90 and... minutes. Fulham are incisive, right? Fulham are scoring. Fulham are doing stuff yeah. with it. Like that football's finally working for them and they've got a system that works when, and they're looking like they might walk this league, pretty, this league pretty comfortably. You compare that to what the Jacks are doing. It's You can claim it's nice and you enjoy it and all that, but it's fucking boring. Give me that hoof up, flick on, header oh, from a centre-back in the last minute any day of the week. We said it about the, the, the second black ball goal, right? When when Kiefer Moore scored to, to steal the game. Like, that as a counter-attack is fucking exciting. Morrison wins a tackle. Vox plays a raking pass. It was seven touches from Morrison's tackle to goal. Like, that's quick, incisive, focused football, right? And that's essentially what you want and what you want to see to be successful. Um, we've already mentioned him, Tom, but uh, Moz are back on the score sheet. Um, less said about the goal, more said about the celebration, really. Um, what did you make of his twerk? Big fan, uh, big fan of it. I just, I, I can't work this man out. He's, he's just so funny. It's like there's another, <laughs> vi- there's just another video of him now dancing, and that's been called by his like, ring yeah. doorbell. And it's like, uh, he's just got a lust for life, hasn't he? And it's infectious. You see him do it, even his press conferences, and he's bringing up Decepticons, and just like it's just, he's just another level of weird. <laughs> like, like obviously, we brought up before, like analyzing cereal and things like that. He just doesn't care, but he's just an absolute leader on the pitch. At the same time, you know, if someone's a, acting like that and he's not performing, you know, it, it gets a bit tiresome. But when he plays like he does and acts like an absolute lunatic at the same time, you can't help but absolutely love the bloke. I wouldn't want anyone else as our captain. It's, it's fun. He's just fantastic. No, but he's he's exactly that kind of player that we like, isn't he, Ben? He's a bit unhinged, a bit loony, but like very serious on the pitch, funny, like clearly loves it down here because otherwise he probably could have left years ago. Like he's stuck it out as well. I think it's it's about time that he got a bit more credit for the, the kind of player he is, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's he's more than just humping the floor for a goal celebration. Um, no, now he's twerking. Yeah, he's twerking as well. But alongside that, he's putting in man of the match performances. I think there was a stat that came out, is it Opta? From up to scores, have him and Flint as the top two players in the league uh, so who, far this season. Who, who scored? Sorry, oh, who, who scored? scored? Sorry, yeah, yeah, but Flint and him are the top two players in the league this season. It's not just a case of like he's not just a character, like Tom said, he's a proper leader and just a fantastic centre back. And I bloody love him. I really love him too. I do hope he never goes away. Um, another player we probably love at the moment, uh, Phillips, uh, Ryan Giles, um, the little maestro. He's come off the bench and changed the game against Millwall, didn't he? Yeah. And it was inevitable. He's had four assists this season already. It's like yeah. it's absolutely bonkers. Like the impact he's had in such a short space of time. Like we saw him in pre-season, and we said, you know, he, you know, all our attacking threats seem to be going through him. We're going to rely on him a lot. And I didn't know it'd be this level. Like yeah. he's been unbelievable. His cross of the ball. Like I haven't watched goals back as much as I have as the goals we've had this season. Yes, they've all been headers, but they've been like a thing of beauty. Like that, cro- the one at Blackpool was unbelievable. But like 
he's just so exciting to watch. And he, and when you've got someone like him and the absolute units that we mentioned earlier on, it's just for match made po- in heaven. It, it is poetry in motion. I I I I'd love the man, but I hate. I think when... it was this. I think it was the second goal against Millwall where he was in such a tight spot, got yeah. it round the man, and had he had nothing else to do but put it on Flint's head, and he did it. Yeah, it's unbelievable. His accuracy is, is something else. And I hate it. I hate it when you get this attached to a lone player. Like, yeah, I mean, four games that, in. There's going to be that heartbreaking moment where he's going to go back and we won't see him again. That's and, worse. Have you not seen today? Well, they've got they've got a recall clause recall in clause. January. But are oh, Wolves going to recall gonna... him? I don't think they will. Like, I don't think they will either, but there's always that you get so attached and you love him and then he goes in January. I, do, I, I think most loan deals now have an inbuilt recall clause for... Uh, you know, because what, what happened last year with Swansea, they recall they, um, Swansea had Morgan Gibbs White from Wolves, and they did recall him. We had Sanderson, he got crocked, they though, didn't he? He did get crocked. So it was a slightly different situation, but I think most loans will have that inbuilt, and it'll just be whether they exercise them. And I don't, you know, if they they didn't want him at the start of the season, I doubt they'll bring him in halfway through the season. That's just my view on it. The, a couple, the, couple. The worry, go on. sorry, like if you, if Wolves struggle, for, Wolves aren't looking like the well-oiled machine they have been the past seasons. They're not exactly looking the most creative, like. Goals aren't coming for them for Jimenez, who's a player that like it's good with his head. Um, if you're looking for that and you're sort of seeing well, he's picked up to, he's picked up 10, 15 assists already this season, and it's January. It's not as clear cut as him going, Oh, you didn't want him earlier in the season, we don't want him now. Don't spoil it, please. Yeah, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> anyway, a couple, couple of interesting stats about Giles. He's had 19 chances created so far this season, um, 19 accurate crosses. Uh, dribble succeeded only two. So he doesn't like going past players, but he likes putting crosses in, which is delightful. Uh, and Ben, obviously, after the Millwall game, leaves us in sixth um, after four games. Uh, we've got, obviously, Bristol coming up this weekend, which we'll talk about uh, shortly. But is this kind of where you saw we'd be after four games? Is this a success so far this season? Uh, based off pre-season, no. I thought we'd be mid-table, like I said, in the predictions. I'm not going to hide and shy away from it. We've got better and better as each game goes on and we're playing well above where I expect us to and um, yeah I'm happy that I've been wrong Tom? Well I said fifth but it was kind of a, an optimistic one Start but, slow finish finish quick but like I think It's my sexual technique by the way <laughs> I think that um, <laughs> what I think gives me a bit of confidence is <laughs> we have got footballers in our team as well Keith uh-huh. Walker play with his feet you know We've got the likes of Giles, things like that. We've got people like Murphy who can come off the bench. We've got people who can play football in that team. So it, it makes me feel like we have got another gear. We, we, we've got more to come from this team. And just looking around the league, so many teams seem to have regressed. And teams who have been tipped to go down, like Coventry, are performing quite well against these teams yeah. who are meant to be walking the league. So I don't know. Yeah, I think my optimism is growing and growing. And... I think we will be in and around the playoffs with the likes of Stoke and QPR and teams like that. But I think it's going to be a fun season. I think we're going to enjoy it. When you look at the the bottom three at the moment is Nottingham Forest, who um, have lost all four games so far. And I think they've only scored three goals. Sheffield United have lost three, drawn one, have only scored one goal so far this season. That's with a forward line of McBurney, Brewster, Billy Sharp and McGoldrick, four very good championship footballers. Um, Blackpool are there, Millwall are there, which you might have expected. Preston are down there, which you'd expect. But even teams like Reading, Swansea, Bristol... Barnsley, Middlesbrough, they're in the bottom half of the table and they were being quite hotly tipped to go to, to be near the top. So I think it's, I think there's still a lot, obviously it's a long way to go to play four games. But um, 
We're going to finish it, so it's fine. Um, moving on to more pressing matters, Ben. It's the last week of the transfer window. Um, it was all looking quite quiet until this morning. Um, there's been some some people playing silly buggers, should we say, with a, a website called Football Insider. I've not heard of it. I don't know if you have either. Um, and it all kind of revolves around one man, doesn't it? The man with the Vaseline head. Uh, what's your take on the, the rumours? It's amazing how one tweet can ruin your day. I mean, Mondays aren't exactly the most glamorous of days anyway, but to wake up, sort of get to work, sort through a ton of emails, have a coffee break and think, oh, check Twitter now, see what's going on and seeing what exclusive Wolves preparing £7 million bid for Cardiff City striker Kiefer Moore. Puts a bit of a dampener on your Monday morning, not going to lie. Do you, I mean, there's 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 a lot to be said about the website it's come from, but we've seen people like uh, Tom Coleman from Wales Online, Glenn Williams from Wales Online saying that there's nothing in there. But well, what does your gut say about this, Ben? Do you, is this is this something that you've been expecting all summer? Is, is this been, you know, inevitable for you? Or are, are you thinking that it is all a bunch of uh, baloney, should we say? Well, I think the club's been quite open that there's been interest registered in him earlier on in the window. There was a couple of clubs sort of, made loose inquiries, nothing mm-hmm. formal's come in. Like, like I said, I didn't think any, I thought it would sort of come down to the last week before clubs went for Kiefer. But a big championship striker isn't going to be the marquee signing that every sort of club wants to make earlier in the window. I think he's always going to be a bit of late business when they're like, we're still short of a striker. Mm-hmm. He seems like a good option. I think there might be something to the story, but I think there's no way the club can accept £7 million for him. We sold Kenzo Hall for eight million. Jesus, if we if we get less for Kiefer Moore than we did for, uh, at his peak than we did for Kenzo Hall, yeah, I mean, to, to, you know, there's there's plenty of questions we could talk about the the valuations of like that. Tom, well, you know, same question to you really. What's your what's your take on it? Do you think it's did you think this was inevitable? Are you, are you shocked it's taken this long for uh, the bid to come in? Well, I think it's bollocks to start with anyway. I don't think there's anything in it. Maybe yeah, maybe not the bid then. Maybe the rumours to start Rumor. in it in a more. I really forgot. Way. I really forgot about like transfer window. <laughs> I was just quietly going about enjoying Cardiff being towards the top of the league. And then saw this. I was like, oh, Christ, we've got another week of this where it's going to be a week of checking Twitter to see, oh, you know, he's having a medical at Burnley or something. But I, I think what might help us is the fact that we've started well um, and we look like we're in with a shout. I think if we'd started with a couple of losses and we looked like we were well off the pace, I think it'd be easier for the hierarchy in our club to say, let him go. We're not getting anything from this season. I think our good start it gives us a good shot of keeping him. And I think he's happy here as well. You know, he, he generally looks like he's enjoying himself yeah. having a good chat with Di Hunt on the way into the ground with his Costa coffee in his hand. Right. If we're trying to keep hold of a player, yeah, the last person we need to get him around is Di Hunt. Was yes. Di Hunt drinking Costa coffee? Or was no, Kiefer Moore had a round of coffee. Oh, I was going to say, Di Hunt doesn't need coffee. Imagine <laughs> him on coffee. <laughs> but, you know, I think, I, I think he'll stay. I think unless it's a ludicrous bid for him. You know, he's 29 as well. You, you know, he's not he's fine. a 22-year-old. You, you know, I think unless it's up towards 12, 13 million, I'd hope the club wouldn't even, you know, contemplate wow. it. But, but you know, you never know with this club. But I, my gut feeling says that he'll stay. I, I don't think he's going anywhere. Well, let's speculate because obviously this rumor came out of nowhere. We, we were meant to record yesterday, but the hangovers, uh, we should talk about hangover cures as well after this. Um, but, um, We've had some questions around the Keeper Moore stuff, so I've kind of separated them out from the normal Twitter questions. The first one's from Lewis Harris. Um, how much do you think the club would take for Kiefer? Ben, what's what's your gut feeling on that? 
Well, Darman said basically in other interviews that he don't he doesn't see the club entertain anything under the fifteen million, and for him to come out publicly and say that if they did accept this bid of seven million pounds or anywhere under that, got to start asking questions then on what's going on. Tom. You know, you've got to look at stuff like Grealish and things like that. It's not about what the player is worth. It's what the pl- player is worth to the club. Yeah. And, you know, and I think he's massive. He's, he's integral to our kind of push. And, you know, getting to the Premier League gets us 90 mil, right? So I'm not saying he's worth 90 million, by the way. But, like, I think 15 million has got to be... <laughs> 15 million has got to be the absolute minimum here, right? If we're going to have any shot again promoted. And this seems like a season where it's, it's up for grabs for anyone, right? Like... People are underperforming. We could really go for this this season. So let's keep him. So I think if we entertain anything under 50 million, we, you know, we, I'm not being fair, the fans will turn. Because they, they turned that he wasn't on the pitch at Peterborough. They're going to turn mm. if we sell him. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, it's got to be at least 15 million in my eyes. Like I said, 12, 13 earlier, but like Ben said, Dalman said 15. Yeah, I think he's right, 15 million minimum. I, think, I honestly think that the club would, would take 10 to 12 for him. I think when you when you consider that we bought him for less than two, um, and there's some question marks over how much we actually paid for him because there was talk that Barnsley were owed money and Wigan were just trying to get a cheap sale because they needed to get money off their wage bill and all that kind of stuff. And I think for a 29-year-old championship striker, 10 million is a bloody good deal, in my opinion. Um, I think it's, if we get to double, if, if any club comes in and goes, we'll give you double figures for him and they start at sort of 10 to 11 million, that's when the club would actually listen. I think 50 million is the dream, right? But I just think the reality of the situation is if he was a couple of years younger, then 50 million would be much more realistic. But because he's 29 going on 30, you know, he's past it. Might as well just get in a grave there. I think you know, people, the club's like first jumps are tight at the moment after COVID and stuff as well. So that might work in our favour. Mm. But, you know, but that might obviously lead to like a panic bid at the end as well because people haven't been parting with cash. So, well, Wolves have had, we know Wolves have had a fifth, they sold a player. Who did they sell that striker for 15 million quid yeah. severe, is it? Yeah, yeah. they sold Rafa Mir and they're in the process of selling Traore apparently for around 40. So there's money there. It's not going to be a case of Wolves haven't got any money. I think it's that gonna, plays into our hands, right? If they sell Traore for 40 for million, us, yeah. we go, right, you've got 40 million quid. Give us your best package. I did yeah. sounded a bit weird saying package. <laughs> Uh, Alex Strange, Ben, this one's for you. As good as we all will be, if the club are intent on selling Kiefer at all costs, would cash plus Giles on a permanent deal soften the blow? Too early to say, isn't it? It's four, it's four or five games with Giles in the squad. That he's been fantastic, but long term, at this rate, he's worth more than Kiefer Moore. Um, so it's not going to be. A case Ooh. of that. He's, well, you say it, you pull that face, Tom. But how young is he? He's twenty. Uh, let me just do. Let me just do the audio description. Tom made a Ooh, face. Go on, he's twenty-three. Cara. Bags of potential. I think he's got quite a bit left on his contract. Twenty-one. Oh, 20, he's twenty-one, so even younger. The uh, Wolves see a lot in him. I don't think it's gonna be a case of he's a three, four million pound player. Yeah, they they they'd be looking double figures for him if they tried to sell him at this stage of his career as well. Um. Yeah, but do you know what it feels to me? This feels very similar to the year we went up, and there was that interest from um, Brighton for Zahor, and we mm. turned down the twelve and a half to thirteen million pound bid. Yeah, and that, to be honest, that after the window closed, gave everyone such a lift. I right, Ken didn't quite go on and have the season we wanted for him, but we still. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! He was back. 
Do you not remember? He was, that was back. The season after. That was the season after. <laughs> oh, it was the season after. You're right. Yeah. Sorry, I thought you meant. I thought you meant the season we went. No, up, that, yeah. that was the season. That was the season he went away. Yeah. Yeah. And then he came back in and scored his one goal against Southampton. But what a goal it was! What a <laughs> goal! Two yards scruff. Um, Tom, uh, Kieran Roberts says, "How the fuck do we replace Kiefer?" James Collins, mate, got him already. Um, that was my fear when we signed him that it might end up. He he is the. He, was he going to be a backup for Kiefer so we could rotate, or was he there as a replacement? Because I think it's too late for us to bring anyone else in now. Um, but well, I, so so Jensen CCFC asked the same question. Kiefer's matter to us. We cannot lose him. If we did lose him, who do we bring in? The, I I was speaking to uh, a mate about it earlier, and the way I see it is that we go we go in for that six foot nine guy from Solly Holmores. Mm. Um, we get James Collins as starter, him to back it up, and we might bring in another lone player, someone like I don't know. Or if we had money, we might look at someone like Luke Jeffcott, right? A different kind of striker who can come in and, and be a foil to them both. But then, what's the point of that when you've already released Max Waters? He's already talked about Mark Harris as being the, 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 a different option, and you've got Ruben Colwell backing him up. It's it's one of those weird things, right? You can see us actually replacing him, or we could see us just going, well, we've got a lot now. James Collins is a good, you know, Mick McCarthy good. James mm. Collins is good enough for this division, so let's just play him. You are yeah, replacing Kiefer Moore. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think James Collins showed a bit of potential as well. I think he puts a lot of running in. It's exactly what we want. He'll get on the end of them and he'll come good and he'll get a fair few goals this season as well. Um, I, I think we are going to, we'll say we've got our lot. Um, I, I, we've just got to keep him. I think if we've got any hope of going up, I think we've just got to keep him. And yeah. I. I uh, can we stop speaking about it? No, it's depressing. It but, took oh, us, I'm sorry. Took well, us all right. So, are you gonna, uh, so what are you going to say to Matt? What are you going to say to Matt Davis then? Who's asked right. us if Kiefer leave? What's the point in life? What are you going to say to him, Tom? See, he echoes my sentiment here, doesn't he? So you know, it's nice to be someone's on the same page as me. There isn't a point to it. All right. Oh. That's a bit too deep, actually. No, there is. Sorry, deep, just yeah. in case. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think we'll be comfortably mid-table if we lose Kiefer more, and I don't. I don't see us replacing him this late in the window. What about the six foot nine guy from Sully Hall Moors? He mid- like isn't he a midfielder, right? No, I'm pretty sure he's a striker. Uh, talking to Sully Hall Moors, uh, didn't realise that Cameron Cox is on loan at Colchester now. Yeah. He's gone from Sully Hall Moors to Colchester. Um, who is, what's the guy from Sully Hall Moors called, the striker? Apparently, the that's, guy. apparently there's nothing in it, right? Again. Kyle Hudlin, yeah. Yeah, apparently that's just, I think they've gone, ooh, who's absolutely massive? What type of club would you go to? Cardiff, you'll suit them down to the ground. I don't think there's any truth in it, right? But everyone should have known the reports were bullshit when it's the six foot nine striker and the teams linked are Nottingham Forest, Cardiff City, and bizarrely Manchester City. The mm. well worn pipeline, Solly Hall Moors to Manchester City. Oh, the Cameron Cox effect. The Cameron Cox effect, yeah. Like yeah he went exactly. the other way. He went the other way. All right, we'll start talking about Kiefer Moore for a bit. Other transfer window business. Um, Joe Bennett now back. Uh, he's back in contact training, Ben. Um, I think I think Baggins done a sterling job so far, but there are question marks about him. Would you, if there was the opportunity, would you bring Bennett back in on a year deal or do you think we need to cut ties with him now for good? He's got his knee back and he can go fuck off somewhere else. I think for the sake of Bennett's that was Twitter quite mentions. I'd quite like to keep Bennett. For Bennett's Twitter mentions and sort of, Everything else, I think it's. T- I think he needs to m- move on. Mm. I think it's done. Um, the club have no intention of signing him. I don't think it's a question of that. I think if he was going to get a new deal, it would have been done a long time ago. I think they had a duty of care to a player that was injured while at the club, offered him a good place to rehab. 
He's got a good relationship with the, with the players and won't cause any disruptions. It was just an, it was just the honourable thing to do, which is rare for Cardiff to do that, to be fair. So I can understand yeah. why people are confused. But um, yeah, I think it's... The club are being nice. <laughs> yeah. What's this about? What's their agenda? But um, yeah, I, I think Mick's made it clear there's nothing, there's not a deal to be done. And um, I'd imagine he'll be signing for another club in the Championship very soon. And they'll have a very, very good fullback on their hands. I wish him well. Yeah, it's quite sad, really, because he obviously came in. He was he came in just before Warnock took over, I think, or he came in that season. Um, yeah, he replaced Fabio, didn't he? He replaced Fabio, and it's just I think he's he's probably gone under the radar a little bit because he was so solid. You know, we've had five or six years with him at left back where it's not been a problem area for us. He'll, as we know, last season we struggled at right back. As we know, in the Premier League years, we were playing Manga at right back. But left back has just been, that's Joe Bennett. That's always going to be that way. And I think, Tom, maybe that's why, I, I, there might be a Twitter question about this, but I've seen some criticism for Baggins so far. I think Baggins doing a great job considering it's his first sign of three or four games starting. He's clearly slotted in quite well at the back and people are questioning him. But do you think that unsettled nature, because we've had Bennett for so long, is now why people are questioning Baggins? Because we're just not used to seeing someone else there. I think there is a bit of naivety to some of Bargain's play, which is obviously going to happen. You know, he's still young, he's still raw. And I think we've got to forgive him that because he's only going to benefit from playing regular football. So I think that's Mm -hmm. why we don't look at bringing Bennett in. And we've got other young fullbacks and and we've got defenders right across the back five. We're going to shuffle about. We've got Perry NG, we've got Sam. We've got the like of Kieran Brown who can slot in there if needed. I think we've actually got a wealth of talent there that we don't need to be you know, putting someone like Bennett who's on who's on decent money before. I don't think we need a one-year deal for him now. I think it's time to move on. You know, we're in that transition period of bringing the youngsters through. And yeah, Bennett was fantastic for us in terms of, sorry, not fantastic. He was dependable for us. Like that Andrew Taylor, mo, uh, like mm-hmm. kind of model where he was never marauding forward. He wasn't getting you many assists or anything, but he was dependable. Same as Peltier when he was there, you know, he was just solid. And I think, you know, we had I some of our that, best no, years. I think that's a bit unfair. Bennett scored plenty of goals for us and got quite a lot, especially early on, was very attacking. It was sort of, he came under Warnock, uh, when Warnock sort of came in, it sort of, he pulled the reins in, sort of, because he came in as a left wing back. Mm. He came in to fill that left wing back position when we tried the failed Wales experiment under Trollope. That was his sort of position. And I think he deserves a huge amount of credit from going from a very attacking wing back to a very, very solid left back that then, under another manager, started getting forward again. I think well, he's um he's done very very well and been a he's been the best left back at the Cardiff City Stadium. I think that's why he doesn't Bracken get that looking credit. boy as well. I think I that's why he doesn't he's... get that credit, right? Because I think people when he came in, you know, were expecting him to be that attacking player right through his tenure at Cardiff, and it didn't work out like that. And I think that's why people, you know, weren't his biggest fan at the time and. There was a couple of seasons where people were saying we should ship him on, you know, yeah. get the money we should have for him. You know, Fulham were looking at him at one point. There was plenty of um, fans who were more than happy Watford to see him. Were linked with him last year as well. Exactly. So I think he that's why he didn't, Fulham, didn't he? Yeah, and I think that's why he doesn't get the credit, right? Because he didn't he didn't get as forward as people um, as much as people expected. But yeah, he was great for us. There's no doubt about that. Let's talk about uh, another player now whose whereabouts are unknown, Tom. Um, Mick Buffet. McCarthy's comments, I think, were... What did you say, sorry? Buffet. Buffet, yeah. Buffet card, probably. Um, I thought Mick McCarthy's comments about um, a certain Lee Tomlin were quite telling. Um, said that he didn't know where he'd hit, been, hadn't spoken to him, hadn't seen him, because apparently he had some sort of virus. What's going on with Lee Tomlin, Tom? And would you sell him if you had the opportunity? No one's going to buy him, are they? Like, I think... Um, That's what I mean. That's the problem. We're kind of stuck with him now, because we signed him to a new deal. 
like I, 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 I'm kind of kind of bored of the, the whole kind of Tomlin thing now. It's kind of every, every manager just looks like kind of fed up and they're like, I don't know where he is. Let yeah. him carry on and do his own thing. He can turn up the training every now and again. He'll play the odd under-23s game. He might get on the bench, but don't expect anything from him. And I think the fans will come to terms with that now. And there's a, there's a few fans who will still think he'll come on and score 15 goals this season and he'll ignite a few games. But I think largely, I think, you know, we know he's kind of done and dusted. And I think every manager has hoped to get something out of him. And it just, yeah. had, we had that little flash in the pan with him. And it, he was great when it happened, you know, like that game at Leeds, for example, showing a bit of brilliance. But it's not enough to justify getting a run in the team. And I don't think it's enough to justify a team coming in for him. Because I think it's happened so many times of the Tomlin experiment of, you know, going somewhere and it not really getting going as, kicking as on, yeah. yeah, kicking on. And I think he's slowly fizzling out, doesn't he? And which is sad to see. I think and I think he's quite troubled, to be honest with you, to put it bluntly. Like, I do think so, yeah. I think I, he, I think he's struggling. And yeah. um it is really sad to see, but I, I don't think we'll see much of him this season. And yeah, like you said, mixed comments were telling. I'm just looking at the a... system. He wouldn't no, work. He doesn't see the system. You no, have to change at, the shape completely to get him in that squad. I'm looking at his Wikipedia now, and this is his longest. This he he's now the joint longest time he's ever spent at a football club. Joint, you know, he's been here for since 2017, um, coming up to kind of five years. Um, he spent five years at Russian and Diamonds. He spent four years at Peterborough, a couple of years at Middlesbrough, a couple of years between Bristol and Bournemouth. Uh, but in his time at the club, he's made. Let me just do the maths in my head. 51 appearances so far at Cardiff over five seasons. This is his fifth season with us. 51 appearances in five seasons. I know there's been loan spells in between that, but that's just not acceptable for a player of that quality. No, just wasted yeah, he, talent. He did have time at Nottingham Forest. He did have time at Peterborough. Obviously, the time at Peterborough was when we were in the Premier League. Um, but in 29-20, he played 33 games for us. And apart from that, he's played five and 13 and then two seasons with zero so far, um, which is a shame, really, because we know how good he can be. Um, ben, you know, we've, we've we've kind of entertained the fact that we probably won't be signing any players. Mick's already said that. Is there anyone you'd be looking to bring in at this stage? Is there anywhere, anywhere you think we need reinforcements? I, I'm i still not convinced our attacking options if we're really, really needing something different. I think looking at someone like Shea Odra bringing them back is worth a punt if you can get them for the right deal. Um, but Mick seems happy with his attacking options and thinks Colwell and Harris and the rotation between them and Bakuna and Giles is it for the season, which is fair enough. We've still got Murphy as well. Yeah, probably probably more of a luxury than a sort of desperate need. No, I'm sort of if we if this is it now and this is how we go into the seat rest of the season, even if we didn't sign someone in January, I'd be pretty comfortable. Um, yeah, I completely agree, and I think what was refreshing as well with the game on the weekend was it wasn't the starting line that people expected. You know, I think under Harris. You know, we started winning games again, positive results, and he was scared to change it up. And it was nice to see McCarthy come in and, you know, throw a few new players in there, freshen it up. And it, it, it does show that we've got that depth. We've got enough talent there that we can, you know, change our lineup game on game. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, we will. We might look a little bit thin with a few injuries, but I still think we're looking a lot healthier than a lot of squads in this, in this division. And I think we've got, you know, it's an ideal time for youngsters to be coming through as well. So, and I'm more than happy with what we got as long as we keep what we've got going into the last few days of the window. I just remembered uh, what I wanted to throw into the agenda. Ah, oh, go on, Ben. It's a bit late, but we'll give you a I chance. Know. Sorry about that. It's Perry NG or Tom Sang, who's who should be the right back. 
because for me, oh. Tom Sang's done more in the couple of get in the appearance, in the one appearance than Perry's done for this whole season. I yeah, think I think Tom flat to deceive so far. I don't think Warn- uh, Warnock. I don't think McCarthy's too thrilled with how he started. I think last season there were times where you could see why Perry and G was in there, right? Like he was leading the press from that right back. He was getting forward. He was putting the pressure on. I don't know whether he's got injured and kind of gone backwards a little bit. He's got injured and he hasn't slightly got back to full fitness. Who can say? But I think the fact that we're able to talk about having two very young, very good right back options, one of which has come through our academy, one of which we got on a very good deal from from crew last season. And we, you know, seeing then Duke it out for the spot. I mean, that could be that could be our right back pairing for ten years. I just think it's just, I really expected Perry to kick on this season, sort of start electric, and I thought there might yeah. be questions come January of Christ, are we able to keep hold of him? But I don't know. He just doesn't seem like the player he was when there was no fans. It's as if like the fans coming back to the stadiums affected him. Which Maybe is that's the it. Of, but it's the opposite of what I thought would happen for a player with his reputation. I think, but. Like a Peterborough way, he was absolutely buzzing with the fans. He was loving it and stuff. I think he will come good. You know, it's, it's only four games into the season. And I think having that competition will bring the best out of both of them. You know, um, it, like Ben said, like it, it's fantastic that we've got competition in that position because we haven't had that for a while. Um, and I think we'll just see them rotated throughout the season. Because, we, you know, as we know, the, the game's going thick and fast in the championship. And hopefully we'll go on a cup run for once as well. So, you know, I think we'll see both players playing a pivotal role as the season goes on. We've talked about the players coming in. Um, is there anyone, Ben, that you'd like to see offload at this stage? Obviously, we've seen Waters go on loan. Um, I don't even know how he's got on so far at MK Don. He's been um, injured, that... got injured in preseason oh, and is Great. looking to come back next week. I did have a check in the week. Uh, but is there anyone else you think we should be offloading or is our squad as it should be? I think yeah, as it should be. If we can get rid of Tomlin off the wage bill, happy days. But other than that, no, I think we're golden. Tom? Yeah, agreed. It's just nice to see us do our business early, get settled. And I feel like we've got a squad that know what they're doing going into the season and mm-hmm. to kick on. So, yeah, I think keep it as it is. And I think we'll, we'll do just fine. Great. Well done, everyone. Good conversation about that. Now let's move on to the Twitter questions. Uh, we had quite a few Twitter questions this week. Um, I'm just going to go through them now. Uh, Dylan, um, thoughts on Murphy getting no game time? Surely he should be in the starting front three with Giles and Moore. Ben, what's your take on Murphy so far this season? It's hard to say, isn't it? Um, hasn't really played to make an opinion. Mick sees what's going on in training. and So far, he's got it right. Um, I'm sure there'll be a time when Murphy gets a run and sort of, as we say every week, Hopefully he comes good. This is but, his year. Yeah, this is it. This is the run he needs. But um, yeah, we'll wait and see. Look, there's no point. You can't question at the moment him not getting game time because the other players are doing the business. Tom? Yeah, I think he's happy just to be in and around the squad, to be honest, from like his interactions with social media. Yeah, his Instagram, yeah. I think he's just like, I think he's more than happy to play a role here and there, come in and out of the squad. And that's quite nice to see. I know you want people to be like, gunning to be starting but he, he seems like he's more than willing to come on and try and make an impact and that could be invaluable for us as the season goes on um welsh index has asked something that's annoyed me for a while now is having an owner that doesn't actually attend the games uh, don't know why but feel there's more of a connection when they are actually at the game seeing and hearing what the fans are saying ben do you have any thoughts on this um i don't know if he's read the news over the last 18 months but there was a little pandemic going on that sort of stopped any and all travel around the world. Um, so I think you can give Tam over for work. He's got a <laughs> private jet. Oh, excuse me, Mr. Tam, why are you flying in with with his shirt over his like his Cardiff shirt over his suit? 
I have come here for business purposes. Match ticket sticking out of his back pocket. He owns the uh, football club, Ben. It's work. <laughs> that's pushing it. But um, no, I'm not bothered. Look, when he does come, he tends to be a bit more of a distraction than a sort of help anyway. Let's. He's putting money into the club. He's doing everything right. He's not made a horrific decision just yet for a while. <laughs> was it leave... uh, eight years since his last madness? Yeah, so <laughs> let, let's let's just leave it as it is. If he wants to come and sort of, I'm sure he can when he can. He's also got a billion dollar empire that he's sort of handling in the middle of a crisis like a pandemic. Um, yeah, I think that's a bit harsh to criticise him on that for. And those Kenny Rogers won't roast themselves, so he's probably he's the sold prize as well. Oh, for fuck's sake. That's my only <laughs> reference to the business I knew he had. Um, uh, Tom, this one's for you. Jareth Webb asks, by the end of the season, how many players from our youth teams do you think will have made a first-team appearance in Z-League? Well, more than seasons gone by. Is for that so, way. so far, we'll have seen, we've seen Sang. We've seen um, Baggin. Yeah, Rawls. We've seen Colwell. We've seen Rawls. We should see, I reckon we'll see Isaac Davis at some point. We'll probably see Keenan Patton at some point. We'll probably see Mark, Kieran Brown at some point. Mark Harris. Mark Harris is another one. So that's eight that you can I, feasibly think of. And I think there'll be others that we've forgotten as well. But that's what's brilliant to see, right? I think that's what our fans have been crying out for, is to get behind some local boys. Because there's no doubt yeah, our fans... Joe Rawls, local. Oh, you know what I mean. Locally <laughs> trained boys then. And, you know, I think like our fans are a lot more forgiving to... Um, players have come through our system and the more than we get on the pitch the more it appeases the fans so no it's really really good to see um, yeah so I'm, I'm really excited by it I must admit it, like it, it's been a long time coming and I think it's only going to get better from here because we seem to be doing the right things now with the academy ignoring mm-hmm. the bullying and the racism bits of it um, but with in terms of the facilities and stuff like that <laughs> sorry but, <laughs> but I think you know I think we're moving in the right direction in terms of our academy and yeah, I think it's only going to get better. And we should do with the catchment area we've got around Cardiff. Uh, CJ Hunt, uh, Ben asks, having ousted Kiefer Moore, who replaces Flint at the back when we move Big Aiden up front? Um, George Radcliffe, the way it's going. Get another youngster in there. I know he's a keeper, but... <laughs> I was going to say, I'm just checking. <laughs> just checking on that front. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Um, uh, da, 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 da. We've thought, kind of talked about this, but um, Tom David Godsell asks thoughts on Bagham first half against Millwall. He wasn't going forward, then much better second half. Feels like that was just a symptom of the, the team performance, really. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I think at Peterborough as well, it was a couple of times he dived in for a challenge and they just got around him easily. But then he makes up for it. He seems really assured on the ball. He picks the right pass. He doesn't kind of like panic when sometimes the fans are baying for him to hit it forward, but he'll take a bit of time. He'll play it back yeah. to the centre back. And I think that's the composure that we'll benefit from. And, you know, we'll make the odd mistake, um, as we've seen already. But I, I, I that's think... That's all part of the learning process, though, isn't it? Like exactly. playing so men's young. football, playing elite level football. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take him two or three games to get up to speed and get to, get to you know, learn how to, to deal with things on a different level. Yeah, and, you know, seeing with a picture with his mum after the game, like she put on Twitter, like, oh, pr- another proud mum moment for me. You forget how young he is. I mean, and she's she's amazing. I wish my mum supported me like his mum does. Oh my, she's she, amazing. She's an amazing parent. Fair play. She's there for everything and just like beaming with pride for both the kids. Because I think is it his brother's signed with? Is it Portsmouth? Portsmouth, Portsmouth I think. Yeah. I'm gonna so look a talented it family. Yeah, he's got like uh, a, a Republic of Ireland like under something cap. His brother wasn't it the other day as well? 
Uh, oh yeah, so Sam Baggin has been called up to the Ireland. No, it's because I was reading the hashtag IRL under 19 training camp. And as I said, the first two words, I realised what was going on. Ireland and training camp. And it's Sam Baggin. So he's um, the younger brother of Joel Baggin and he's involved at QPR. And to be honest, he looks exactly like Joel. So that's good. They're basically twins. Um, Gonzo McKenzie asks, does anyone else get the feeling that the club will bite Wolves' hands off for seven million to go towards a certain court case you don't like to mention? I've forgotten about the court case. Um, you decide for that. The accounts show the money's been set aside ready for yeah, that's what I whatever happens, which is good. Just uh, Ryan from Alternative Wales, friend of the pod, asks, Tom, will you be disappointed when he eventually score a goal that isn't a header? I think I genuinely will be. I love this run. Like, I must have mentioned it to my mate on the weekend about four or five times. Like, I don't think you understand. There's been eight goals and eight headers. That is insane. And it's just like a weird badge of pride we have as, a, as Cardiff, yeah. right? Like, people hate us for it. And lo- I just really hope it continues. If I, if we score first against Bristol City and it's a header, I, I just won't be able to stop smiling. Uh, Cardiff Match Worn Shirts Ben asks how many more youngsters would have made it over the last decade if they'd been given the chances in the first team I don't buy that none were good enough this um, is a big question I, it's I a saw big this question. come in I saw it come in I liked it um, I'm trying to think like over the last 10 years like the players that have been mentioned in the press people like Cameron Cox obviously Ben Nugent made it to the first team and was quickly bombed out and I mean he's struggling at Barnet right now so it says a lot about him but someone like Cameron Cox we saw him in a few cup games would he have been someone who could have made it do you think no, I don't think he could have. But there's players further back, like Tommy O'Sullivan, clearly mm. had potential that Wales were raving about him. And it's sort of, whether it was his own sort of ethics, a sort of work ethic or mishandling from the club, but there's a career that should have been a lot more, should have been, he should be a regular Wales player by now with the potential he had. And he's, I think he's at Gloucester now, um, released from Hereford a while back. Those sort of players are the players that we've really missed and sort of, hurt us long term there was a good player there that really should have made a breakthrough but it was just the club wasn't set up ready to bring those players through and it's fantastic to see now who could have done it um i think you speak you speak to a few lads that were in the academy and like the the stuff coming out about the racism and sex and all sex and sort of all the bullying and stuff is the tip of the iceberg with some of the stuff that went on in that academy for a long time um there's been fundamental fundamental issues at that club since the Dave Jones era, sort of the mm. handling of the youngsters. Um, yeah. It's just nice to see we finally got that under control and sorting it out. I think like players like Sammy Ajayi, right, who are now yeah. playing for West Brom, who we let go, who then just went on a mad run for like Rotherham and Pistol and worked his way back up. There's clearly talent there that we just didn't nurture. And I think even things like, I know like, he went to Man City, but like Rabi Matondo and things like that. If you had a clear setup where you're getting players into clear the pathways. first team, people don't leave that club. You know, you're not going to risk it to go elsewhere. And I think they're the players, I think, where they've kicked on. Matondo, you know, he's got Castle Wales stuff that I mean, kick on. I know he's struggling at the moment, but they, they're players who, you know, have, have made impacts where they've gone and uh, I've kicked on in first team football that we probably missed out on. And you've got to get it at a lot of clubs. But I think I'm not sure if there's been many players that have missed out because of it. I just don't think we were developing that many because our structure wasn't good enough. And I think that that's what's changing now. We're bringing the right players through, and you know we're not losing as many players to you know our cousins down the road, and 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 to English clubs as well. 
For me, there's there's just instances of players that have gone on and then, you know, like Delhi Oshalaja, for example, left us and has worked mm. his way back up to championship. He's back in League One now. But like if those players had been harnessed at the right age, brought into that first team setup and given the time to play with the men's team in a way that was beneficial to them, he could have been someone who stuck around and maybe not a first teamer, but provided us good cover and provided us something different at the back. Um, I think that's the thing for me. It's just those those players that have gone on elsewhere maybe not at the, the same level, but gone on elsewhere and done okay. And it's kind of like, well, if they've been given the right opportunities here, could they have been more than okay? Oshelage like, is a fantastic example, actually. As someone that was ready to make that breakthrough and be in the matchday squad regularly, but never got the opportunity to. We went mm-hmm. from him there, ready to break through under Mackay and then under Solskjaer. Um, to who do we bring? We brought in a load of players then that sort of did nothing. We brought in Juan Carlo, the jelly bean racist head. <laughs> who else did we bring? we also signed that um Uruguayan Maxi Amadorian or whatever his name was oh, Maximilian Amadorian yeah yeah who who um, must have just been a um, I don't know to appease an agent somewhere because there's fucking what was the point of signing him he just felt anyway, like we signed a FIFA like regen regen yeah uh, few, plenty of Twitter questions Mark Riley asks uh, who would be Moore's replacement uh, we should have covered this in the Moore section but um, there was always more to cover Wee. option one save the money go with Collins Harris and Vassell who I always forget option two getting a replacement such as Solly Hall Moore's uh, striker Carl Hudlin or three shove Flint up front would you trust Harrison Vassell, Ben, in in the wake of Kiefer Moore being gone? Different players, isn't it? We're built around. We're built in a way to service the needs of a striker like Kiefer Moore. We're built up, and we finally built a team around it that sort of the system works. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen when Harris came on last season, we changed the way we play when Harris plays in that central role. Um, yeah. He he he's not the option to replace Kiefer if he does go. Um, but he's got he's definitely got a part to play out wide and sort of in that behind the striker role with the other two players. Same with Vassell, look, bloke with bags of pace that can get in and behind strikers if he's just off played off the strikers in that sort of role as well. When he gets fit, I think he's gonna have a great time, especially latching he, onto the headers from Kiefer. When he gets fit is the same as um it's gonna be Murphy's year. Hmm. Um it's not gonna happen. Um, I, I, no, I think he is. I th- I think after the after the international window, he'll be in the match, he'll be in a squad couple of squads and he'll get but, some minutes. I think the, he'll get some minutes. But I think the issue he's going to face is having spent a couple of years out of football, basically, it's going to be those muscular injuries when he comes back that could cause him even more problems. You see it so many times where players come back. I think Camarasa did it in his first game for Batiste in pre-season after a, a year and a bit out with his cruciate ligaments. The first game back, he goes off after 70 minutes because he's got muscular injuries. And I think that's the only thing I worry about with Vassal now coming back is that there could be that 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 he plays a couple of games and all of a sudden those normal injuries start getting to him and it, it could just cause him to break down again. I hope not, because I would love to see him, you know, he deserves a chance for all his patience over those two years. And I think that's would be a great thing to see. Um, Nathan L, CCFC, Tom, has, has the fact that no club has signed Joe Bennett surprised you? More than capable at this level for pretty much any side, in his opinion. Um, it is quite surprising that there doesn't seem to be any links. I think they're just waiting for him to get fit. I think they know full well he's not going to play for us. They'll wait mm-hmm. to see how he's coping in in a week or two's time. He'll sign for someone. I, I it's inevitable. So I, I, it doesn't really shock me. I think he's just buying clubs are buying their time, buying their time, and so is he. And he'll find he'll find the right club to suit him. He's a free agent as well, isn't he? They're not going to look yeah. to pull in a free agent. They can sign them after the window. They can look if they're going to do any transfer business and then supplement it with the free agents. Yeah. Um. 
the, the, the last couple of questions relate to hangovers and Mick McCarthy. Um, Harry Dickens, Tom, has asked how, how many, in total, approximately how many of your hangovers have been caused by the antics of Aidan Flint? Off the top of my head, I can think of probably two recent ones after the Swansea game um, oh. and the, after the Blackpool game. Um, Peterborough, oh no, Peterborough was hungover as well. So yeah, let's say after those three games. How many for you, Tom? Yeah, two for me. The Swansea one was something special, that hangover. Weren't you sick in your bed? No, no. It wasn't. <laughs> Whoa, no, this is absolute slander. Sorry, that, that's, that is slander. I, I, um, I'd like to apologise to Tom Phillips for accusing him of being sick in his own bed. <laughs> no, that was just when I started doing Vincent Tan impressions with my shirt tucked into my shorts, dancing on the flat. Um, not my same impression, just the short, just the shirt and the shorts bit. Um, but um, yeah, that was the Swansea went on Blackpool were the two, the two big ones for me. The Swansea went honestly was a hangover for the ages. Ben? Yeah. The Swansea game was the big one for me. Fee went out. To go, I think she went shopping after the game and she came back and I had polished off several cans of Tiny Rebel in very quick succession and carried on the rest of the night doing that and was shit-faced by about eight o'clock. I, was, I think I was in bed by nine. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, so, Aidan Flint, we apologised to you last year, but you've got to apologise to us now for making this hangover. Um, Gonzo McKenzie has offered us some help with the um, with the hangovers. Diorolite helps have some before bed, then more on getting up. To my hangover, whenever I go on a stag do, I take three key ingredients for the stag do, four if you include some of the other stuff. Um, Diorolite, <laughs> um, ibuprofen, um, and I also take emodiums because um, my hangover is now getting squeaky. Um, so if you're on a stag and you need to, you know, to plug the other end, you take some emodium. The the instant melts, they're my favourite ones. But, uh, and the fight, the fight. This, this hangover thing's new to me though. So it literally, as soon as I turned thirty, I started getting hangovers because I never got them before. I I could a couple of days in the piss be fine. I, Saturday went out with Roger Stone for their first social. Wasn't even that drunk. I say I wasn't that drunk. I did get to bed and pass out. So even if like you say drink to Delor- like Delorelite or whatever it is before you go to bed, I'm in no state to drink it. I'm just collapsing on the bed and passing out until I wake up at five in the morning with the shits. For me, my hangovers, if I go on a stag do, I don't get I don't get a hangover because I know like I think in my mind I'm like, right, Friday to Sunday, I've just got to be on good form for both we days. Go so again. Can, we go again and I just get through it that way. But if I go out for like I think I went on Tuesday last week for, for the pizza game. I went out and probably had six or seven beers on a Tuesday night. I just couldn't operate on the Wednesday. I was just like, this is it. This is how I, this is how my, how it ends for me. Um, so I think it's like, I think for me, it's those like, those cozy like Tuesday nights where I drink a little bit too much are the ones that really affect me. While like, if I go for a big one on a Friday and a big one on a Saturday, I'm not too bad. I can confirm a pug cafe is not a cure for a hangover. If anything, it makes it a hundred times worse. No, oh, I did see a video, mate. And I did feel sorry for you. And you like pugs as well. I love my pug. He's great. But when the little shits are yelping and you're wanting to die at 10 o'clock in the morning, no fun. Um, and the final question is more of a serious one. So it's from uh, Matthew. We had two two questions along the same lines. One from Alan Grimes, fucking boomer. Uh, thoughts on Mick not doing the Ayatollah. Um, and then we also had Matthew Gregory ask, and, and this one, I'll come to you on this one first, Tom. Uh, do you think there's any connection between Mick and the fans? He doesn't seem to be interested in waving or clapping on the field at the end of games. Very different to Warnock. Um, we know what's happened with Mick McCarthy at other clubs, aka him telling his own fans to fuck off when he scored, uh, Ipswich scored against Norwich. Is that a concern for you that he doesn't seem that interested in the fans? A little bit. I think, like I mentioned earlier on, when they, uh, the fans got on his back pretty quickly at Peterborough, calling him mm-hmm. a wanker pretty quickly, telling him to sort it out. Um, and and, and it, it got very kind of toxic very quick. 
But I think it's around when they're saying do the Ayatollah Mickey. I don't think he likes being called Mickey. Ah. And I think they need to change it to Gaffer. Try McCarthy. to get McCarthy in there. Yeah, just go just go for the Mickey. surname like you would. Anyway. Well, surely McCarthy, McCarthy works. McCarthy, McCarthy, fits. McCarthy fits. That's what annoys me with it is, and I don't blame him for not doing the Ayatollah if he's yeah. been called Mickey. I think McCarthy fits. Don't be a penis. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think they. I think we need to start a campaign. You know, it's got to be do the Ayatollah McCarthy or we leave him alone because he's clearly pissed off by it. And does it concern you? It doesn't concern me, but it does make it less fun. I think part of the enjoyment of sort of, pre, especially someone like Warnock, if we're going down that route, was the bond between him and the fans was what made it a bit more special and just made it a lot more fun. He loved playing up to be in the pantomime villain. He loved being sort of getting those cheers. And yeah. just, yeah, it just added that little bit more to it that you could tell he cared. Whereas McCarthy, like, I have no doubt that he cares massively about this club and sort of the job he's doing. But you want to see him get involved with the fans and bring it all together and create that tight knit unit sort of that makes the CCS a fortress. And that sort of when the club's at its best is when the players, the management, and the fans are all united as one. And if he just a little gesture goes a long way with stuff like that. But let's do the Ayatollah Mickey. You know, let's just not tell him to fucking sort it out after 30 minutes of the third game would be great. That I think we I think I think we've got a bit to play. We've got to shoulder some of the blame. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You especially Tom. I would I was getting I, no, I, I'm not part of this. You know what I'm like? <laughs> I get angry. The fans get angry. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I'm of the same boat. Um, that's the Twitter questions. There are quite a lot. Um, bumper pod so far. So we'll talk about the Brighton game tomorrow. Yep, happening. Moving on to Bristol. Um, oh, come no, on. So the podcast, obviously, we're recording on a Monday night. The Brighton game's on Tuesday. Um, it's the, the Carabao, Ben, the big Carabao Cup. Um, I mean, we did the double over Brighton when we played them in the Premier League uh, a couple of seasons ago. What's your take on this game? What, what would you want to see Mick to do? Who do you want to see start? Who do you want to see play? What do you want to score to be? What's going to happen? All lot of questions. All that and more. Um, I don't know. It's I want us to go on a cup run, but I don't give a shit yet. The Carabao Cup's a weird one where you only really care when he makes the quarterfinals and suddenly then mm-hmm. you get interested. Um, yeah, I'd probably look like to see Sean Morris to get a bit of a rest. Uh-huh. Um, like to see a couple of youngsters come in and hopefully if we get lucky crack on into the next round but if we went out it wouldn't be the end of the world Tom who do you want to see play? I also, oh, sorry I also think the club charging 15 quid a ticket for a Carabao Cup second round game is taking the piss yeah they're absolutely just I just how are they so disconnected have you seen our attendances for cup games like, we're clearly not going to make much from the gate anyway. That's not where you're making your money. Lower it. Make it accessible for, you know, it's a chance for younger fans, you know, who may not want to go to Millwall, where there's a lot of swearing and fighting. This is a gateway for those fans to get into watching Cardiff City. Take that opportunity. Lower the prices. Get them in the ground. But they're just deaf to it. It's just ridiculous. They saw Premier League side and went ka without realising Premier League side, ah, oh, it's Brighton. Yeah. Yeah. But, so yeah. what's, your, what's, your, what's your prediction? Like, you know, this game is happening tomorrow, like I said. The, the podcast will probably be out around, the t- well, before the game's gone. What, ben, how do you see this one playing out? I want as, it, as in detail as possible. <laughs> I feel like we need to do that episode of The Simpsons where they put the beer cups over their mouths and sort of went with whoever got into the Super Bowl final. Atlanta Falcons. If we could do, if we could do that for, the, for a podcast version, that'd be great. I, um, all right, so I'll, I'll just edit it afterwards. I go, I believe there will be a goal for Isaac Davis. <laughs> yeah. I believe that oh, seriously, Ruben Colwell will do well 
like proper, make it sound like old school FIFA commentary. Ruben Colwell has scored to make it one nil. <laughs> yeah, I'll go with that. Uh, two one City. All right, who's scoring? I don't fucking know. James Are Collins. You? James Collins with two. Lovely stuff. He needs he a goal, and it would get him on the way. Stuff. Both headers. Both headers. Yeah, ten headers for the season. At that point, that'll be lovely, Tom. I think we lose two nil and never really get going. I, I I like a cup run. I really want to see a cup run, but I just can't. Now we've started the league well as well. I think the focus will be on that. We'll put some youngsters out, but you know, I think with them being a Premier League side, they've got a bit more depth than this. They'll want to go on a run. There's a chance for them to win something as well. Um, I think they'll just have a they'll be a much stronger outfit than us, and I think I think it'll be a comfortable two 0 win for them. I hope I'm horribly wrong, but I just can't see it myself. I'm going to go. I think it's going to be one all and it goes to, is it penalties or extra time? Go straight to penalties. I think it'll be a bit of a nothing game. I mean, the team we put out against um, uh, against Sutton could be a good indicator. Obviously, Smithies was in goal. The back three stayed the same. Morrison, Flint, Nelson. Sang and Davis played in at the, the kind of fullback role with Wintle and Volks in midfield. And up front was Marley Watkins, Kiefer Moore and Harris. Maybe oh, it'd be the last Watkins time we see Marley Watkins. Uh, maybe we say goodbye to him with that. And maybe instead of more, we play Collins. But I can see Volks and Wintle coming in. Mm. Um, I can see maybe if, if Sang played on Saturday, maybe NG plays. It could be interesting. It'd be an interesting time to see some a different kind of change on things. Uh, so I, I'm going to go one all on penalties. Um, and then obviously looking ahead to Saturday, uh, 12.30 game that isn't on Sky, scumbags. Um, it's the first derby Sky? of the season. Not on Sky, Derby Forest is instead. Uh, relegation scrap. Yeah, relegation scrap. Uh, it's the first derby of the season, Ben, against uh, your favourite team, Bristol City. Oh, they haven't got the slug though, have they? So no, he's at Sunderland now, Slugderland. Um, but I've got Nigel Pearson, who will fight you if you try and badmouth him. So watch out. I like him as well. All I, th- yeah. whenever I think of Nigel Pearson, now all I think is Atletico Mints. <laughs> what? I've not listened to Atletico Mints. Literally, what what you said about Nigel Pearson will fight you is literally everything uh, that Mints yeah, do like about Nigel Pearson. A, yeah, like fighting on wolf dealers. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they've had a stop start start to the season of Bristol they drew with Blackpool on the opening day Uh, they lost to Forest Green on penalties Uh, lost to Middlesbrough beat Reading lost to Swansea Uh, they sit around 15th in the table Um, you you guys were were quite you know predicting that they're going to go down Um, Ben is there anything you've seen that changes your opinion of them or do you think they even look worse than they did before the season started um, I, I put in the group the other day after watching that Swansea game. I'm very confident that Bristol are going to go down. Um, I think they look garbage. They created so many chances and didn't look like they were going to score all night against Swansea. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're in serious trouble. And I think we're going to add to it. They, let's not forget they haven't won at Ashton Gate since January. Yeah. They've got horrific home form. Um, I know it's at home, but they, they're not in a good way. It's not the guys that you say I know, but they're not in a good way. Like they're a team, they're ready for the beating, and yeah, we should be looking to take full advantage of that. They've also got a midfielder who's got the same name as a Geordie woman uh, arguing with her boyfriend. Why, man? Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just a little joke there. Um, Tom, uh, you know, Ben's quite confident. Does it worry you though that they have players who could cause us damage? Chris Martin up front. Um, Wyman in the midfield. Um, Chris Martin always seen Naki Wells coming off the bench. They've got goals in them, haven't they? If they get their shit together. I don't know they have. I think they're names that you would have been scared of three seasons ago. I don't think yeah. 
I, th- I don't think they're the same players anymore. And th- what worries me is it's the most confident I've been going into seven-side derby for a long time. Um, and that that does frighten me. But they, they don't look good. I Yeah, I predict them to go down. They'll definitely be in that bottom half. Anywhere between the bottom three and like around 14th, 15th will be their level. Arguably, they were a slightly better team against Swansea. But like Ben said, they didn't look like they were going to score. Um, and that's, I think that's what fills me with a bit of confidence is I, I can't see them breaking us down. You know, Peterborough broke us down because they had a couple of incisive passes and got through us. I can't see Bristol doing the same thing, especially with us being our home as well. Um, so, so that, yeah, like I said, frightens me, but we should have more than enough to beat them. It's very honest, even over the last six games. Um, We've traded wins and losses for the last six games. They won. Uh, they beat us two one in twenty seventeen. We beat them one 0 at home in the twenty fifth of February twenty eighteen. They beat us when we played them in November twenty nineteen. We beat them on uh, when the season extended. Um, it was it Danny Ward came off the bench and scored that goal last season. They beat us at home when we dominated them, but they they managed to get a, a sneaky goal early on, and then oh, we beat them away that, yeah. uh, back in February. So it's, it's it, it could go either way according to the form book but I, I i'm of the opinion i think you know the way they've started they don't look as good as they once were pearson doesn't look like he's getting anything anywhere near the best out of the, any of the players he's got on uh, on there at the moment and i think they just look a bit they look a bit fragile and i think if we can if we can bully them a little bit i think you know when when we look at people like aiden flint coming back to haunt his own his old side then i mean from set pieces if he gets up there and bullies them they're going to fall apart that we are the last side they'll want to play at the moment. When you're low on confidence and needing a win and sort of things just aren't happening for you, the last thing you want is a team of big bruisey bastards coming and knocking seven, seven shades of shit out of you. And that's exactly what the club needs to look to do. We go in hard, put some fucking big hits in straight away and they're going to have nothing. They're just going to... They're going to wilt. Yeah, they are. They're a poor, poor side and I think we should be looking to win this comfortably. Um, you know, we talked about the Brighton game and the changes you make there. Is would you keep Tom the team team largely the same as the one that, that dispatched Millwall at the weekend? Would you look at bringing in uh, different midfielders, different defenders? I'm not sure actually. I, th- I, th- I think you'll start Giles. I think you know he's had a, he's had his game on the bench, and I think he comes back in. I think was it Har- Harris started that game right? I think he drops back out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think you're not going to change too much. I think you know the back five kind of pick themselves um yeah i think it's a massive game for us as well because you know it's the last one before going into the international break and i think if you win that going in unbeaten it's i think tom sang said it in the press conference um you know there's a there's a a good feeling around the camp at the moment and you go in unbeaten after beating your nearest rivals yeah just before an international break that's the perfect start to a season so this is a big one you know and we can go top we can go top because we're the early kickoff so we you know Psychologically, that's a huge thing. Massive, yeah, and it just shows that we're there, there about. So, yeah, it's a big, big game. So, yeah, I, I like Ben said, I expect this um, to you know, comfortably beat them. I think that's it. You look, you look back to the season we went up under Warnock, right? Those first six to ten games were crucial, where we kept. I think we 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 won the first six on the trot, or at least we won the first five and drew maybe the sixth with Fulham, uh, from what I remember. If we can go through those first five games and beat and get to the international break largely unscathed. Um, you know, we, we, we've got a full complement of players, basically. Um, and I think everyone's everyone's performing as they should be. And we come back from that international break ever so slightly refreshed. And it's it's almost like every uh, the rest of the season is looked at in chapters then, isn't it? Because you have those five-game bursts or you have 
a couple of months of football before you get to another international break and you can just kind of coach the players through each individual section of games. And I think that's a really crucial thing to think about. And I think, yeah, I I, I don't see Bristol causing us too much troubles. I mean, this could come back and bite us on the arse, right? Massively, but I'm just, yeah. This I, is going to get clipped, isn't it? Yeah, this is going to get clipped. Well, hopefully... Um, <laughs> Oh, God. Um, I, yeah, okay. Uh, for balance, for balance, they're going to smash us 6 0. Um, that's too confident. They'll beat us 1 0. Thomas Callas with a goal off his jaw. Um, I mean, we, we've rambled on quite a long time, so I'll get your predictions and then we'll we'll do the outro. So, Ben, what's your actual prediction for Saturday? I'm going to go 3 0. 3 0. Giles to get two goals to make up for the times he called a Millwall player a wanker. Oh, good, yeah. And is Big Keith going to score a farewell goal? <laughs> no, Flint's going to score. All right, Tom? I'd love it if Flint scored. Um, 2 0, I think we'll win. All right, I'll go 2 1, and I think uh, Collins is going to score and Marlon Pack. Tom, who do you think is going to score? Because I just rudely just cut you across. That's absolutely fine. Um, I think uh, Kiefer Moore will score two. Feed me till I'm Kiefer Moore. Exactly. Lovely stuff. Uh, and that's it for another episode of View from Nidian. Um, it's been a bumper episode. Tom, what was your favourite bit? I think all of it. I think it had a good flow. With, you know, I think uh, as a group of fans, you're lucky to have this uh, episode. Fantastic work by us all. And what was your favourite bit? Uh, when you accused uh, Joel Baggins' brother of being in the IRA. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't. I just stumbled over the words, Ben. So I'm going to have to edit that bit out now. No, no, no. Uh, that stays in. <laughs> no, it's staying in. Uh, if you like what we do, you can find us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash VFT Ninian. If you want to give us some money for this, because we do it for the love, not the finance, uh, you can find us on Kofi. That's kofi.com forward slash VFT Ninian. Uh, you can find our individual Twitter page as well if you want. Uh, that's up to you, but that's um, that's your decision as well. Ben, are you going to watch the Love Island final? No, I'm off to the gym now. Oh, off to the gym, late night gym session, nine o'clock, mate. Yeah. Oh, Tom? No, I'm going to eat some spinach and ricotta lasagna. Oh, sounds delicious. Yeah. Uh, I am going to watch the Love Island final. Um, uh, if, you, if, if people are interested, I can give you my thoughts on that uh, at the next episode. Um, but until then, Ben, enjoy the gym. I shall. Tom, enjoy your lasagna. Oh, I will. Ta-da. Right, nearly half time, pal. Your turn to get a ground round in. Off you go. No, you get this one in, mate, because I've got the beer sorted for later. What do you mean you've got the beer sorted for later? I got the last one. You know that's not how the ground round works. Listen here, bud. How does the offer of free beer sound? What do you mean free beer? No such thing, mate. Just go and get them in, man. Serious now. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash VFTN and cover just £5.95 for the postage and you'll get your first case of eight globally sourced, fresh as can be, craft beers delivered right to your doorstep. What I mean is I've already got hours waiting for us after this and we'll need them after watching this shambles. What's the catch here now? Who are these people? Beer 52 are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, they send a case of craft beer from a different part of the world. Recent cases have included beer from the Alps, New Zealand, the USA, Ireland, Korea, and Germany. Bloody hell, that's not bad, is it? Yep, and if you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time you like. Cracking, so how do I get it again? All you need to do is go to www.beer52, that's the numbers 52.com forward slash VFTN. To get your first case of eight beers for just five ninety five, that's www.beer52.com forward slash vftn. Sound pie with a pint then? You know I never say no to a pie. <laughs>